All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are breaking down my prediction for the Falcons' 53-man roster. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years at FalcFans.com, on Twitter at FalcFans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast. Today, I'm going to basically go through my 53-man roster prediction now that the draft is over. Um, you know, I will, usually what I do is I pump out one of these right after the draft in May. I do another one right before training camp starts, like a day or two before. And then normally, I will do one like a week before the final cuts or a couple of days before the final cuts to sort of, you know, put out three of these things. And they, they change over time, obviously, but not not as much as, as you would think because I'm a genius and I just nail these things all the time. No, kidding, of course. So uh, you can go on right now at FileFans.com and find my 53-man roster breakdown and, you know, some of the talking points I will retouch on this episode, but some of those other things, it's well worth your read to get sort of in-depth I go through the guys who I think will be on the 53-man roster and all the guys I think will be on the practice squad as well. So we'll we'll touch upon that today. So, uh, you know, let's start things off. We'll go position by position and sort of give you my thoughts on who I have making the team and, and some of the key battles that I'm looking forward to and some of the reasoning behind some of those decisions that I made in that projection. Uh, let's start off with the quarterback position. Of course, I had Matt Ryan and Matt Schaub making the team. Um, I have Kurt Bankard on the practice squad. I do think it's possible that the Falcons could get out of Shop's contract this summer if he winds up, you know, struggling for whatever reason and or Kurt Bankard, um, you know, plays well. But I think it's going to require not only Shop to struggle, which I don't expect to happen, and Bankard to show considerable improvement from where he was for most of last season. We saw that first game in the preseason where he played really well, but then three sort of blackluster games. So we need to see more of that first game, Kurt Bankard, and he's going to have potentially five games to show it. So, uh, you know, multiple opportunities there. So I think that's possible, um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's a slam dunk sort of situation. So I think the Falcons were basically content to go into this season with Schaub as their second quarterback, and then they'll sort of revisit their backup quarterback situation next year because Schaub has an option on his contract. So they can reevaluate the position, you know, nine months from now. Uh, moving on to the running back position, of course, I have Devontae Freeman making the team, Ito Smith as well, Quadri Olison, and Marcus Green making it as well. Uh, it's interesting that on a Sirius XM interview, uh, I think on Tuesday or Monday, uh, Thomas Dimitrov reportedly said, I didn't, I didn't get to hear the interview, but I, I got the clip notes of it. Uh, reportedly said that the Falcons had Marcus Green, you know, they really consider him to be a wide receiver, but the reason why they came out and said that they would consider him a running back is because they didn't want to scare off any good undrafted free agents at the wide receiver position. And I I think that makes sense because if you go back and you listen to my day three of the draft recap episode on Sunday, you know, I always sort of thought that the idea of Green playing running back just doesn't seem like a great fit to me and he's a much better fit as a wide receiver. I also have Brian Hill making it on my 53-man roster. I don't know if that's going to last the entire season, but right now I'm basically predicting the Falcons to carry four and a half running backs 
on their roster with Green being the half of a running back. Um, and again, whether that sticks for the entire season, we'll have to see. Um, but I think the fact that Rashid Hageman is going to have a two-game suspension at the start of the year sort of helps. So basically, whoever the 54th guy is in whoever that is player is, and right now I'm sort of expecting it to be Brian Hill, um, that guy should be able to make the team at least for two weeks this season. Um, and if Hageman is is kept and, and, and you know is brought back after suspension, then presumably it would be at the expense of that 54th player, which could be Hill. Um, the other thing that I like about keeping Hill is if you do keep him at the beginning of the season um, and then, you know, wind up cutting him, you know, two weeks later or whatever, when Hageman comes back, he's still practice squad eligible. So you could, there's a higher probability of you being able to hide him and, and sneak him through waivers uh, because teams aren't going to be as willing to put claims out you know, in week three as they are before, you know, a week before the season starts. So I think you can sort of, you know, squeeze him through and sneak him onto the practice squad if you sort of retain him for the, at least those first two games. I do not have Ricky Ortiz making the roster at fullback. I expect Luke Stocker will sort of take over those duties in a hybrid tight end, H-back sort of role. Um, but I do, I did predict that Ricky Ortiz would be kept on the practice squad as sort of as a just-in-case. Um, and I think, you know, basically... Right now, I'm sort of expecting the Falcons to have their usual four active running backs on the uh, game day roster, but instead of having Ricky Ortiz as that fourth running back, in this case, it'll it'll be either Green or Olison, depending on how you want to factor those guys into the equation. Uh, let's move on to the wide receiver position. Five guys sticking here. No real surprises on who those five guys are. Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Justin Hardy, and Russell Gage. Again, you can sort of consider Green to be the sixth guy at this position. Um, I also had uh, Florida International C.J. Wharton making the practice squad. Uh, he's the undrafted free agent that I'm most intrigued by. I know a lot of people have been talking about Olamide Zacchaeus from UVA. He's getting a lot of pub. But I feel like him and Green are basically cut from the same cloth. They're both 5'8", 190-pound slot receivers. So I feel like, why are you going to have two of those guys in your roster? So if Green's going to make it, then I think it sort of pushes Zacchaeus out the door. Uh, potentially, but you know, Wharton's a guy that intrigues me a little bit. He's a Florida transfer, spent three years at Florida, then transferred to FIU, didn't get a lot of playing time at Florida. Um, so you know, he's a guy that I think, as far as based off of what I've seen, you know, again, off of brief YouTube cut ups, um, he, he's the guy of these undrafted rookie receivers that checks the boxes as far as size, speed, and route running to me, at least so that I'm, I'm intrigued by his potential. We'll continue to further break down these roster battles in just a minute. But when it comes to roster battles, it's always hard to find the right fit for a football team. But there is a place that makes finding the right fit easier, and that's ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop just there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. It's so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get qualified candidates through the site within the first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Again, ZipRecruiter.com slash LockedOn. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So we're talking about roster predictions, and I have the Falcons keeping four tight ends, and that's Hooper, Stocker, Paulson, and Salbert. Again, I expect Stocker to pull double duty not only as an inline blocking tight end, as a sort of tight end two, but also as a fullback. 
Um, you know, what to me is what's going to be interesting, particularly at this tight end position this summer in, in terms of the roster battles, is the competition between Logan Paulson and Eric Salbert for the third tight end spot. Because I think more than likely the Falcons are only going to keep three tight ends on their active roster on game days. And Hooper and Stocker are two of those guys. And so it's really going to battle whoever wins that competition between Paulson and Stocker will get opportunities to play, and the other guy will basically be inactive every single week. Um, and so I think that's going to be an interesting battle between those guys to sort of really see if, if Saubert has made the, the leap forward now entering his third summer with the team. I put Jaden Graham on the practice squad for the second year in a row, but to be honest with you, I kind of expect the Falcons to sort of look around for other options off the waiver wire to be sort of that, you know, fourth option at the tight end position. Graham didn't really impress me last summer, and I, I feel like the Falcons just kept him on the practice squad because they needed a body at tight end. Um, as for Alex Gray, I don't necessarily, you know, as far as I know, he's not um, protected by the international player program anymore, where he was automatically given a practice squad spot the last two summers. So I suspect that this is going to be the final summer we get to see Alex Gray in, in Atlanta. You know, he really hasn't done much in, in two summers. I think he's played like 26 snaps and seven preseason games across two summers. Um, so unless there's a massive leap forward for him, I, I just sort of see, you know, he's probably going to go back to playing rugby in a couple of months. And, you know, it's been interesting because there's a lot of people that constantly talk about Alex Gray and I just he hasn't really done anything to merit. I think it's, you know, it's an interesting story and certainly one that may be cool for a made-for-TV movie one day. But, you know, he's not going to – that's about it, really. Um, on the offensive line, for my five-man starting unit, I have Jake Matthews, uh, Jamon Brown, Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom, and Caleb McGarry. Um, I previously stated that I, I expect Lindstrom to be the starting lifeguard, but if you hear sort of referring to that Dimitrov interview, it sounds like the Falcons are more pushing more towards Carpenter starting out the season at left guard and Lindstrom competing with Brown for the right guard spot, which makes sense. But, you know, for, as far as I am concerned, I would just sort of, you know, it's going to be weird to, if the Falcons do wind up starting Lindstrom over Brown, which I would think is likely to happen if that's the case. Uh, because Brown's basically going to count $4.3 million against the Falcon salary cap this year. And that's a lot of money to pay for a backup offensive lineman, uh, while Carpenter is only going to be making about $2.8 million, which is about, you know, it's just, it's an, it's a pricey backup offensive lineman, but it's not unheard of for a backup offensive lineman to make sort of two and a half around that type of money. Um, so we'll see how that actually goes. It, you know, if we're being honest, I think they should have Carpenter and Brown compete for the left guard spot and just sort of, plug Lindstrom in right away at right guard, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, Schweitzer, Sambrello, and Macano make it for me as the backups. And, you know, I have Christian, um, I'm sorry, Chandler Miller, the center from Tulsa, making the practice squad. I thought he did some nice things again against Ed Oliver in a Houston game. That was impressive to me. I thought he showed some things as a second-level blocker, and I just really wasn't that impressed with the rest of the offensive line class from the undrafted guys in terms of picking a guy to be on the practice squad. You know, I thought Leonard Bonner and, and Devon Johnson – Weren't bad, but they didn't really pop to me. Um, I, you know, I pretty Sean Harlow will get the boot this summer of finally for the final time. Adam Geddes as well getting cut, and John Wetzel getting cut as well. Now moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I expect the Falcons to keep nine defensive linemen to start the season. With again Hageman potentially being that tenth guy, but he won't count towards the fifty-three man roster in Week One because he's got a two-game suspension uh, from that uh, DUI he had last year. Um, you know, I think the nine that will wind up making are fairly obvious. Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett, Adrian Claiborne, Tack McKinley, Jack Crawford, John Kaminsky, Tyler Davidson, Deidre Sonat, and Stephen Means. 
you know, maybe to some people, Means and Davison in particular aren't that obvious. I know Davison is a relative unknown just because, you know, this is his first year in Atlanta. But I think he's, as I've explained before, he's a really solid run defender. I think Stephen Means continues to get overlooked by his fan base because he didn't necessarily get a ton of sacks. And people only notice when defensive linemen are making plays when they're getting sacks. Um, but I thought he played exceptionally well over the last three, four games. And I think he's at least in the conversation. Uh, you can make a case for him being the third best defensive lineman uh, alongside guys like uh, Crawford and Irvin, you know, at least over the last three or four games of the season last year behind guys like Tack and, and Jarrett. So I think, you you know, he's in the conversation between Crawford and Irvin for the whoever that third best guy is. So I think he still continues to get slept on by a lot of people. I still expect the Falcons to continue with their base and nickel sort of fronts, that dichotomy where they basically have four or five guys that regularly see snaps in their base defense and four or five guys that regularly see snaps in their nickel subset. Um, You know, there might be some crossover. I'm hoping there is going to be some crossover. We'll see if that changes this year. But, you know, in terms of the nickel guys that I expect to get any significant amount of snaps in the base, I would only expect that to be Tack or Gree Jarrett. And as far as base guys that I expect might see some snaps in the nickel, maybe that's Means, maybe that's Kaminsky. Um, particularly for the latter in John Kaminsky. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if it'll be because he's earned those opportunities, but I just think the Falcons may simply want to give him some opportunities to rush on the interior um, as a D tackle in those nickel passing situations. As I've said a couple of times now, I don't expect Kaminsky to really impact early. Uh, I think he's going to be a multi-year project. Um, that's going to take some time for him to really start paying dividends. Um, but I do think he will get opportunities to play right away this year as a rookie. I do think, you know, he'll play some special teams as well. I also have Chris Odom and Justin Zimmer making it on the practice squad. It was tough for me to sort of pick Mike Bennett to cut. And, you know, I thought he showed some promise in limited action last season. I don't think he's practice squad eligible as far as I know. But I do think he's a guy that could give Hageman a pretty good run for his money as that 10th guy. Hageman is, is far from a lock to make this team and, and arguably could be, you know, really a bubble player that the Falcons are just kicking the tires on. But we'll, we'll have to see how that goes. And uh, before we do uh, continue to talk about the rest of the uh, roster projections on the defensive side of the ball, you guys should remember that you can get this show or your second favorite daily Locked On podcast show by subscribing on the new Himalaya podcast app in an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Falcons, your team, every day. So at the linebacker position, no surprises in terms of my 53-man roster projection, or I, I suspect not. Uh, Devondre Campbell, Deion Jones, and Foye Olukun as the starters, Duke Riley, Kamal Ishmael, Bruce Carter as the backups. I did mention in my write-up that I do think Jermaine Grace could give Duke Riley a run for his money for his roster spot, but I think Grace would have to play exceptionally well, which it's not impossible, um, in order for the Falcons to basically punt on Duke Riley you know, three years into his career. I think instead, more than likely, you'll probably see the team try to stash Grace on the practice squad, uh, whether or not you know he, some team, other team comes by and, and scoops him up later in the season remains to be seen. As far as the Falcons practice squad goes, in addition to Grace, um, I also projected uh, Yurik Bethune to make the practice squad, the guy out of Alabama A&M. 
I just thought, you know, he showed a lot of athleticism and what I've seen. It could be in, um, in the mix for the backup at Sam linebacker. But right now it's kind of a, between me, you know, it's a toss-up between uh, UAB's Trey Crawford for that sort of last linebacker practice squad spot in my eyes. Um, at cornerback, I had six corners make it. I had Trufant, Isaiah Oliver, DeMonte Casey, Kendall Sheffield, Jordan Miller, and, of course, the great Bleedy Ray Wilson. Um, unfortunately, I do think there will be a lot of weeks this season where Bleedy Ray will be inactive. Um, I think the same will probably go for Jordan Miller. I think the battle for the fourth quarterback spot is going to be interesting to watch this summer. I think it's probably wind up being Sheffield versus Miller. I like Sheffield more. I, I keep seeing people and people keep telling me that, you know, he's so raw and he's not going to necessarily contribute this year. And I guess I just haven't come across those games on YouTube or maybe I'm just, you know, my blind spot for cornerbacks is showing itself, but I, I just don't necessarily see the, all the issues or how, you know, like, again, he's not a flawless prospect by any means. There are some issues that he has to deal with. You know, he turns, he does a poor job turning and locating uh, the ball in the air. But I, I kind of thought Denzel Ward had the same issue while he was at Ohio State. Um, and that's one of the reasons why he wasn't my top-rated cornerback last year. I had Mike Hughes from UCF who went to the Vikings uh, as my CB1 uh, last year. You know, so I, I think, you know, Sheffield, that may be just a coaching issue that Ohio State does. But I think um, Sheffield, um, you know, his technique is sloppy from time to time, certainly. And I think it, it leads to for a tendency for him to get grabby downfield, which is an issue. But, you know, again, he's far from a finished product. But, I, you know, I'm eager to see what he does on the field this summer. I, maybe he does wind up struggling and, and Miller leapfrogs him for that fourth cornerback spot. But I think Sheffield is immensely talented and it's going to be hard to keep off the field this year, particularly when I consider him the front runner to win the gunner spot on punt coverage teams opposite Russell Gage. You know, he's a much better tackler than Miller. And with that 4-3 speed, you know, allegedly sub 4-3 speed, I think it's just going to be hard to not have him, you know, covering punts and, and being a regular part of special teams. Um, at the safety position, uh, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, Sherrod Eastman, and J.J. Wilcox are my picks to make the team. I'll be curious to see if J.J. Wilcox gets sort of the Ron Parker treatment, um, particularly because I don't know if he's going to carve out an extensive role on special teams because it, he's been, you know, when he's played special teams, particularly on punt coverage, he's been primarily a gunner throughout his career. And as I just mentioned, I expect Sheffield and Gage to fill those roles this season with the Falcons. And so basically, if he's going to be active on game days, he's basically only really going to cover kickoffs, which is fine. But, you know, unless the Falcons can give him some deep opportunities to play um, in, in terms of their dime packages with 60 Bs, there's not going to be a whole lot of usage for him. So I do wonder if that is the case, um, then whether or not the Falcons will sort of, you know, open the door to bring in somebody else like they did last year with Parker and ultimately Jordan Richards. You know, but uh, maybe the Falcons do plan on having, you know, a lot more dime defense and a lot more six DBs on the field. I, I'd like to see that. Uh, for me, at the safety position, I had Chris Cooper um, on the practice squad. I just like how forceful and explosive he is. He's, you know, he's a hard-hitting guy. Um, I'll be curious to see how the competition between him and Parker Baldwin and Afo Laguda and Ryan Neal goes this summer. I thought it was interesting that Dan Quinn mentioned Chris Cooper, Ryan Neal, and uh, J.J. Wilcox sort of competing behind DeMonte Casing and Kendo Sheffield for those nickel cornerback duties. 
Um, I'll have to sort of dig deeper into the film, but I, I wasn't that impressed with J.J. Wilcox's man cover skills. So it'll be interesting if that's what the Falcons are, you know, that's maybe one of the ways that they'll try to get him on the field or whatever the case may be when they do go to those six DBs and use him as an extra slot corner. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, you know, that was something that Ron Parker could do really well. I don't know if that's really what J.J. Wilcox really does well, but we'll have to sort of see how that plays out. And wrapping things up with the special teams, of course, I had Il Mancino, uh, Giorgio Tavecchio making the team as a kicker, Matt Bosch at punter, and, and of course, Josh Harris at long snapper. As you can probably guess, I expect Marcus Green to be the team's uh, opening day kickoff and punt returner this year. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of people that asked me when I put out a depth chart on Twitter earlier this week sort of asking me sort of whether my math was a little bit off with the idea that the Falcons could keep both Kenyon Barner and Marcus Green on the roster. I don't think it's likely, Um, you know, but I do think there is a reality where that happens. Again, I I wouldn't necessarily say that we are living in that reality, but uh, I don't think it's completely impossible. You know, Barner's forte over the years has been his kickoff return skills. He hasn't got a lot of opportunities on punt returns. Now, based off of his college production, uh, Marcus Green's forte was also on kickoffs, but he has at least a little bit more upside as a punt returner, one would think. And so there's a reality where Barner comes in and it looks really good on kickoffs, and Green looks comes in and looks really good on punts, and the Falcons say, you know what, why not keep both? And because you have that sort of two-game window at the beginning of the season, uh, where you can sort of keep an extra guy that may or may not, under normal circumstances, make the roster... In this sort of reality, instead of Brian Hill being that extra backup running back, in this instance, it's Kenyon Barner sort of supplanting him in that role. And then you have basically two weeks to sort of see, you know, whether or not Barner and Green live up to expectations and are productive. And then you can decide, you know, in that reality, like maybe Barner's not really bringing a whole lot on kickoffs those first two games. And when Hageman's ready to be elevated off the suspended list, you could cut Barner and say, okay, Green, now you take over. Uh, both kickoff and punt returns, or some reality where maybe you still, Barner comes in and plays really well in those first two games, and you decide, let's just keep rolling with Barner and Green as our two return guys, and you create a roster spot for Hageman elsewhere. Or maybe you just decide, you know what, we don't really need Hageman because John Kaminsky and Tyler Davidson and Deidre Sonata are playing so well that we don't necessarily need a roster spot for Hageman. So, you know, you know, things are up in the air is basically what I'm sitting here saying. So it'll be interesting to sort of see how all these competitions play out um, this summer. I don't think there's a lot of roster battles really that are open based off of that depth chart I put out. Basically, there were, I think, 51 players that I either categorize as locks, near locks, or safe bets, meaning that they have a 75% chance or better to make the roster. So in most of those guys' cases, from the vast majority of those guys, really the only thing that's going to stop them from making the team is if they get hurt. Um, so, you know, 51 guys that are relatively safe bets, uh, to make the team, if not outright locks, um, that basically means there's only two roster spots open, but again, because Hageman, um, is suspended, that means there's basically three guys you have, you know, 40 plus guys competing or 30 plus guys competing for, um, you know, basically three spots and and a whole bunch of practice squad spots. So, 
Um, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting competition. So I think the bulk of the competitions we're going to be focused on, and of course, on this podcast, we'll we'll start really digging into the training camp competitions in July when we get closer to to camp. But um, you know, I think was right now sitting here now in May, sort of looking ahead uh, two plus months. You know, the the competition for both starting guards, the competition for that third tight end spot, um, the competition for right tackle. Um, I think are really sort of the intriguing competitions right now. Um, I guess technically Foye Olakun isn't going to be handed anything as the starting weak side linebacker, but I'm not necessarily that intrigued by it because I just, you know, without Duke Riley really turning it on and turning it around, I, I just don't necessarily see that as much of a competition. And again, some of these depth spots like, you know, the fourth corner, as I mentioned, between guys like Sheffield and Miller, I think it's going to be interesting, you know, Jermaine Grace, maybe he can leapfrog Duke Riley um, as a backup or, or at least play well enough for the Falcons. We'll have to justify keeping seven linebackers on the roster, which is possible. Um, you know, I, I think these are going to be some of the interesting competitions. And of course, the running back competition, you know, shout out to my guy, Brian Hill. I don't think he's going to go down without a fight, but, you know, we'll, we'll have to sort of see if the Falcons sort of weight the scales a little bit against him in order to justify the Olison pick a little bit more. not Again, not to sit here and suggest that Olison won't justify himself by playing exceptionally well this summer, uh, because we know Pitt players are the greatest players to ever walk the face of the earth. So I'm rambling at this point. I appreciate you guys, you guys tuning in. Uh, we're probably not going to be back tomorrow, because I don't necessarily have a topic to discuss. If something comes up, um, I will more than you know talk about it, but... In all likelihood, we'll just sort of wait until Monday. I'm hoping to get some guests on to start really digging deeper into these prospects. Um, you know, I'm not going to get to my own scouting reports until probably later in the month. So I, I do want to get some guests. But, of course, this is the time of year where you guys can send out your suggestions, provide your feedback on sort of future topics for the show. And you can do so, of course, uh, by hitting me up on Twitter, at Falcfans. But it's better yet just to send it over to Lockdown Falcons. That's the show's Twitter handle. The show's Facebook page is Lockdown Falcons. You can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And, of course, you can leave a comment at Falcfans.com where the podcast is posted daily. Again, Falcfans.com is where you can find that 53-man roster protection. If, uh, you know, this 30 minutes of content right here is not enough, you can go and, and, and check that out as well. Okay, guys, there you have it. You are Locked On Falcons. Your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.